Is there one today? One. Who would say, I need you today, Lord. I need you right now, Lord. It's emergency, Lord. I need your touch now. Oh, if there's one, come. Come. It isn't us. We don't do anything in our own strength as well here in a few minutes. to us. Oh, he's so good to us. And Jan, you tell Matt, he's going to be putting on 20 pounds in the next few months. The Lord just told me this. Matt's going to put on 20 pounds in the next few months. Mark it down and let us know when it happens. In Jesus' name, amen. And how many would say he can have 20 of mine? Yes. <laughs> Last week, I forgot to mention something important, and I do want to cover it because especially since we are on the internet, I don't want anyone to be uh, concerned or um, concerned. I guess that's the right word. And I did forget to mention this last week, and so I want to just bring closure to it. When I, when I took the article from Christianity Today, I made sure in their legal permissions that they allow the use by churches and pastors to share that information, and they do. It is clear that they allow churches and pastors to use that information, even to make copies for anyone who wants one. You, I, I'm allowed to make up to a thousand copies, so if anybody wants one or a thousand, I can make you a copy of that article. I just wanted to make that clear so that there are no misunderstandings or confusions about using somebody else's uh, information, so there's that. This morning, I'm going to share a brief passage of scripture and a few thoughts with you. And then I'm going to tell you a dream I had this past week. Father, we thank you for being here with us. Father, we thank you for your spirit that is ever present. We thank you, Lord, for your word that never fails. And I pray, oh God, this morning that you would move among us as we deliver this word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm going to be reading this morning something I hardly ever do out of the Amplified Bible. As a matter of fact, I believe that I've done it twice in the time that I've been standing behind this desk. But I believe today that the Amplified um, explanation is so good that I really wanted to use it. Sec uh, no, not second Philippians. There's only one. Philippians, second chapter. Verse 12, we're going to read three verses there. Philippians 2. So obviously this will sound a little different than what you're reading, but the meaning is obviously the same. So then, my dear ones, just as you've always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation, that is, cultivate it, bring it to its full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity. Do this with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is, strengthening, energizing, and creating you creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Verse 14, do everything without murmuring or questioning, oh boy, the providence of God, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness. In this passage of scripture, Paul is talking about us working out the details of our own salvation. What does it mean internally and externally to the end that we grow in Christ likeness? But as hard as we work, and some of us take more than others, we must acknowledge that it is God who is doing the work through us no matter what efforts we make it is only him who's able to change us, amen? And it, he accomplishes this wonderful transformation because he has a purpose to it. As we acknowledge that it's him that's doing the work, it causes us to pray even more for more of his help so that when we have completed a portion of it, a portion of the work, the growth, the transformation, the development, we can look back and say, look what God has done. Amen? 
Paul told us that like himself, we may have to repeat this process over and over again. Because sanctification is a gradual, if not an ever uncompleted, if that's a compound word, process. In other words, we never get there. That's what Paul said. I'm trying, I'm striving, I'm reaching towards that mark. I will get there, but I haven't quite attained yet. Becoming like Jesus sounds, I've heard this all my life, we've sang the song my whole life, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. Sounds rather easy and doable when you look at it that way until we look at the life that Jesus led compared to our own. For he was only ever obedient, laying down his own will, and always doing the will of the Father. He was clothed in humility, having left all the splendor he knew, all the glory he had in heaven, to become a servant of man on earth. He was motivated by love always, and this total love led him to die on a cross to purchase our salvation. Our lives can't compare to that. Yet we're to strive to be like him. So there is so much potential for our own transformation until he can be seen through us. We aren't working to attain salvation, for we know that works cannot save us. But we are working through the details, the mountains and the valleys and the very lives that we leave of our lead, of our own personal walk with God. And in this journey, we are still us. That's the hard part. We have to contend with our own nature, our own personality. And in our own unique way, we reflect him, each of us, differently in our own way, but all within the bounds of the gift of salvation that he gave to us. And this is why he leaves it up to us who we are, our nature, our personality, to be yielded to the Holy Spirit so that he can do the changing, the transforming. And even though we are still us, that work makes us like him. Isn't that a beautiful thought? It is to me. Some may feel that working out our own salvation gives us license to do our own thing our own way. But the question is, does doing our own thing our own way produce Christ-likeness or us-likeness? The works we do must prove that our faith is genuine. And that's why Paul told the Philippians to work out their salvation with fear and with trembling. The fear of an awesome God 
and trembling, such as when we are so overcome by his presence that we tremble with the knowledge and the presence of his glory among us. Proverbs 1 and 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the fool hates wisdom and instruction. So yes, we are continually being transformed or sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us who helps us work out acts within our own salvation that are honoring and in accordance with the will of God for our lives. One thing is sure, I don't want to let fear, the fear of letting the Holy Spirit have his way in me, keep me stunted in my growth or my journey in the Lord. I want to become a mature Christ-like person, and I know you do too. I want to share a dream with you that I had this past week. I've shared this personally with two people, and they both were overcome by the message in this dream. And yet I feel it's for all of us, not just one or two. On Tuesday morning, I had a dream very early in the morning hours. I dreamed that a group of people and I, people I don't, I mean, I knew them, but no faces or names, just a group of people, were helping an older lady who couldn't clean her own yard by herself anymore, and we were helping her to clean her yard. We cleared stones and weeds and dead plants, garden leftovers that were long ago spent, sod that had dried up and was dead, partially like my backyard where the squirrels have dug up every speck of the grass to bury and unbury their nuts. Basically, everything in her yard was dead and needed to be removed. One of the men one of the workers had brought his flatbed truck. And after we had cleaned and scraped the grounds nice and smooth and gathered all the, the debris into one area, we loaded it onto the flatbed. It was loaded in such a way that the dead garden debris was the last thing that was loaded at the very end of the bed, where a tailgate would be if it were a regular truck. Every bit of it was unrecognizable, dried up, tangled up mess, and all were dead. The stones and the other debris were up at the front of the bed. The owner of the truck drove it to the parking lot of our church and parked it there for a period of time until he could take it and dump it. It might have been a few days or even a week or two that it sat there unattended. Then one day, as I was leaving the church building, I looked over at that truck and I saw something that astonished me. I saw that the end of the flatbed 
was full of beautiful mustard greens, salad greens, tomatoes, beans, cucumbers, and squash. I especially noticed the mustard greens, probably because they're my very favorite vegetable. They were green and lush and beautiful. They were all the exact same height, the same exact distance apart, not at all the way we had left them on the truck bed. But instead, they were perfectly manicured, perfect in color, perfectly ready to be picked and eaten. I called all the people who'd helped work around the ladies' yard. I called them around the truck and said, look at what the Lord has provided. Isn't he marvelous in creation, marvelous in transformation, and in provision? And the Lord spoke a message right there to us, gathered around the truck. And he said these words to us. Just give me something to work with. Yield to me something of yourself. Even if you think it's dead and useless. And I will return it to you. Transformed, healthy, and good for use. Isn't it just like him to provide a perfect visual depiction of this message about growth in the Lord, about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. It's his business, and he's very good at it, and it gives him pleasure to do it. Now, the book of Matthew talks a lot about mustard seeds. There's, our, there's about four different uh, Scripture in the book of Matthew, it likens a mustard seed to the kingdom of heaven. It denotes faith in God, for nothing is impossible without him. And it says that even the smallest amount of faith in God as a mustard seed can move great mountains of opposition. And besides that, they taste better than any other vegetable out there, in my humble opinion. One of the people that I shared this with was Jean Whitehead that we took the offering for to go to Sweden. He thanked me and thanked me for sharing this with him. This last week, he got a notice that they've been rejected from coming back to Sweden to work because he would not compromise the message of Jesus. Because they said, if you don't talk about Jesus, you don't talk about salvation, you can come. And he said, I can't. That is the message. So they're using the offering that we gave them to go back pack up their things, and come back to the U.S. until the Lord opens another door. He said, this message meant so much to me because I had prayed and prayed 
that the Lord would not let the ones we had ministered to, the ones who had accepted Christ, to fail. Hold them up and carry them. And he said, I can take a message of transformation to them of something that was totally dead that God restored and transformed. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's ask him together to do a very visible work in us, a recognizable work as we partner with him. Father, we always want to be a partner with the Holy Spirit doing this transforming of ourselves and that we don't get in the way, but that we work alongside your will of what you would have us to be and do. Lord, I also said I don't want to fear letting go and letting you have every free reign in me that you want to do and that you see fit for my life. God, I pray right now that you would open doors that Jean and Inga know nothing about, that they can walk through and proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, him crucified and raised again for the salvation of all who will believe. Lord, make it clear as they walk this path. Oh God, let them know which way you're taking them and get them prepared, Lord Jesus, to see a mighty work in your name. But, oh God, as we are here staying and we support them in prayer, I pray for the same thing in, within each one of us. Oh God, those rough corners that we need to be brushed off or those changes that we need to become more Christ-like than us-like. We submit them to you, Lord, and ask you to make us like you at all costs. Oh, Father, we're so grateful for your love and your mercy. We're so thankful that you have restorative, creative power that can take death and turn it into a thing of beauty and a thing of sustenance and provision for your people. Oh, God, bless us today, as the song said, bless me now, oh, Lord, and go with us as we walk from this place in the path that you have set before us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Praise your name.